We, uh, we are in the middle of a series that's uh, basically about stewardship. We've talked about time, and today I, wa- I want to talk about something that's very important to you. So, and I want to start off by asking this question. Why is it that we always want what we don't have? I believe this is especially true when it comes to how we look and the bodies that we have. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. If you, I, if you come from a family of fine, thin, straight hair people, you're going to be born into the decade of the perm. It's just going to happen. And then if you've got straight hair or curly hair, you're always thinking, oh, I've got to get straight. I've got to straighten this out. And, and it's true if you're short. I know some teenagers right now that are just willing themselves another couple of inches. You know, I just need a few more inches. I just need it. And, and, and so short people are always wishing they were tall. I know some tall people. I know one tall person in my life. He works in Lexington, and he's, this is what he said to me. Max, I didn't play basketball, and I am tired of having to duck in doorways. Who knew it was an issue, okay? Um, if you're, if you're uh, big boned or a larger, you want to be skinny. If you're skinny, you want to be you want to have a little bit more girth. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to speak on behalf of skinny guys for a moment. There's a picture that was taken the day before I married Jenny, and I was at the pool with all of my groomsmen. And I'm standing on the edge of the pool, and you can count the ribs. I went and looked this week to see if I could find that picture because she was going to put it in our wedding album, and I begged her not to. I was like, please don't put that in there. I, you know, <laughs> I look like I'm from Nazi Germany. It's just terrible um, from one of the camps. So... If, you're, if you have perfect eyesight, you wish that you would wear glasses. I know of someone at West Jessamine High School, I will not name this person, they show up in big rimmed glasses with no uh, frames with no glasses because they like the look of it. And as someone who wears glasses, my stigmatism is so bad I can't even get RK surgery. It's not going to help me. I'm just going to be blind no matter what they do. I would love not to have to wear glasses, right? And this floors me that people that, and here's, why does he wear these? (laughs) He can do contacts, which he does, and yet he wears those glasses. Few Americans, it seems, like or appreciate the body that they have. And I know this because we work so hard to change it. We use tanning beds. We use anti-aging creams. We use hair straighteners. We use Spanx. I was in Macy's and I saw this product in the men's underwear department called Spanx. Apparently, it's like a modern-day corset. You put it on, you know, I need the Spanx that has the ab muscles in them. That's the Spanx I need. I think you can get those at Halloween. Um, But Americans are obsessed. We are obsessed with youthfulness and the perfect body. We are. And nowhere is this more apparent than Hollywood and the entertainment industry because you got to look young, fit, and tanned. you got to have white, perfect teeth. I once had somebody say to me, Max, you know you're never going to be a TV preacher, right? And I, I was encouraged. I, at first, I thought, oh, this is great because they're about to say, you know, because you're so biblically grounded and because, you know, you just preach Jesus' kingdom and there's no way you would ever be a TV preacher. You know what they said instead? Your teeth are so crooked and yellow, you could never be on TV. Oh, thanks so much that I was so poor I couldn't afford a door with the Donuts growing up. <laughs> but this, so for many of us, 
for many of us, when we pass the mirror, right, we sigh. Come on, we do this. We pass a mirror, we see our reflection, and we go, ah. And we are so hard on ourselves, and far too many of us see the negative, and, and we think we don't measure up. And we think that because our culture is really, really sick about how we, you know, our bodies. Our, our culture, the funny thing is, our culture today in 2017 is almost identical to the Greco-Roman culture of 2,000 years ago in two ways. First of all, we worship the perfect form. The Greeks did it with statues, okay? Um, the fig leaves came later. <laughs> the fig leaves were the Christian influence, but the Greeks, they didn't have fig leaves. They just, it's the perfect sculpted body. There it is, boom. Do you know how we sculpt our bodies today? Photoshop, tanning beds, creams, <laughs> surgeries, nips and tucks, all, you know, teeth whiteners. I mean, we strive for this perfect form and we beat ourselves up because we don't have the perfect form. And not even Barbie has the perfect form, right? Because if she were a real person, she couldn't live. <laughs> she couldn't even be human. It's not possible. And the second way we're like the Greeks and the Romans is we have this idea that we can do whatever we want with our body. Right? And it, how many times have you heard somebody say, it's my body and I can do whatever I want. Don't be telling me, look, if I want to have sex with 20 different people this year, what's it to you? It's my body. If I want to smoke, you're not the American Cancer Society. Don't be breathing down my neck. I'm going to smoke. It's my body. I'm not hurting anybody. Um, if I want to have donuts, if I want to go to the donut store in Limestone every single day and eat donuts the rest of my life, what's it to you? It's my body. I'm going to do what I want. And in these two ways, we're just like the Greco-Romans of 2,000 years ago. That's how they rolled. They, had, they extolled the perfect form and they had this idea that, um, well, the body's so temporal, I'm going to shed this mortal coil, I'll do whatever I want to my body, ha, 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 ha. And they had this idea. And the funny thing is, 2,000 years ago, we think the same way. Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that God gave you the body that you have with all the plus and minuses that come along with your body. Straight hair, curly hair, big, small short, tall, blue eyes, blonde, you know, no, uh, God gave you the genetics that you have. And what matters isn't so much how it looks as how it functions. That's what really matters. So if you're going to be a good steward of your body, you need to eat, sleep, and move. And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the message. But I want to make a case for the stewardship of the body by looking at a passage in Corinthians, because I think we need this, we Americans need this, because America is telling us that we have to attain a perfect form, and America is telling us, well, it's my body, I can do whatever I want, and that flies in the face of what we see in Scripture. And so today, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, Corinth was the capital of this whole area of what would be modern-day Greece. And Corinth was really, really wealthy. They had a ton of trade that went through this city. And so it was full of wealthy Greeks and wealthy Romans that, what? 
idolized the perfect body, and what was the second thing about them? They felt they could do whatever they wanted with their body. The city was full of people who thought that way, including the people who went to church. The Corinthian Christians thought that way. We're going to get into that in a minute. So all this wealth is flowing into the city, which meant a lot of foreigners are there and a lot of foreign religions. And at that time, many of the foreign religions operated this way. They would establish a temple or a site of worship, and then they would hire a ton of sex workers that would be associated with the temple. It's kind of how they did religion in the first century in the Greco-Roman Empire. And so uh, Corinth, we could say this, Corinth of its day had a reputation for being kind of the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. It was one of several cities that had that reputation of what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth kind of a thing. And people would, hey, you want to go somewhere for the weekend? Oh, let's go to Corinth. You know, it was a thing. People did this, okay? Now, the other thing about this particular city, and I've talked about this before, Romans and, and Greco-Roman people were pernicious about how they valued children. And many of them, if they had a baby girl, they would take that baby girl and they would put that baby girl in a pot and take that pot to the trash heap and let the baby die of exposure. So at this time in history, there weren't enough women to go around. There just weren't enough women for men. So if you lived in the city of Corinth, typically you weren't married until you were 30 years old. And you married someone typically about 12 to 15 years younger than you. Now, you waited until about 30 to get married, but you didn't wait till 30 to have sex. And so Greek Roman men did this three ways. Uh, they would, uh, the temple prostitutes, the sex workers associated with all of the different places in Corinth that you could go. Uh, they would also, uh, if they uh, had slaves and then other men. And, and they had this idea, they had this thinking, they were Plato uh, Platoists. So they believed that the body was temporal, the soul was eternal. So I can do whatever I want to the body, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna lose the body anyway. My soul is the eternal part of me, so pff, bring it on, I'll abuse it like no tomorrow, because you know, eventually I'm getting rid of it anyway. And so they were, they were dualists in that way, which by the way, isn't biblical, it's not what we Christians believe. I'll get into that in a minute, okay? So a lot of these young bucks had a kind of cavalier attitude about how to treat their bodies. And, and that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. So Paul, in writing to this letter to 1 Corinthians, now you have a better idea of why he harps on sex a lot in this book and why he harps on the bodily resurrection of Jesus because he's wanting these Corinthian Christians to know, dude, you're an embodied creature. Like the resurrected life, you're not some kind of soul floating around like you're you. You get your, the, the body. See, Jesus' body, like it, he rose from the dead. <laughs> and he, Paul really wants the Corinthian Christians to understand this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 and 14, all right? And uh, I'll, I'll read these verses. You say, I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true. 
This is true, though someday, someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Hear that. The Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord from the dead. So there's a couple of things I want to focus on. Paul is using classic rhetoric, and there's two phrases. I'm allowed to do anything, and food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. These were phrases that were thrown around the city of Corinth and the Greco-Roman Empire of the day, uh, the way that we say today because of the uh, uh, influence of Disney, just follow your heart, right? You'll talk to a friend and they'll be like, I don't know what to do. Should I date him or not date him? I don't know. And the, and the friend will, with all good intentions, say, well, just, just follow your heart. We know that's typically bad advice, right? <laughs> okay, because your, your heart can be really messed up. But so we know what it is to have sayings that are kind of like life advice. And these two sayings are life advice for first century Greco-Romans. And Paul is saying, whoa, wait a minute. I'm allowed to do anything? Okay, sure, yes, yes. If you want to eat donuts three times a day, every day of your life, you can do that. But not everything is beneficial, right? Not everything is beneficial. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Uh, I have butter knives in my silverware drawer, okay? Now, from time to time, I've been unable to find a screwdriver. You know where this is going, right? So, you know, a butter knife will work. I can use the butter knife, and you know what? You can use your butter knives as standard screwdrivers. But eventually what happens is you ruin the knife because the knife was not designed to be used as a screwdriver. Are you catching me? Your body is designed for certain things. And when you're doing the things your body wasn't designed for and it's outside of God's purview, it's like using a butter knife to tighten a screw really tight. It's going to damage the butter knife, okay? So Paul, Paul goes on and he says, food made for the stomach, stomach for the food. Um, and he, again, the Corinthians living in, in the first century in this city thought that the body wasn't important, that they could do whatever that they wanted to with their body and it didn't matter. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Eating, eating is not the same thing as sex. He says, look, sex is not just something physical. Sex has a, has a spiritual unseen component to it. Um, and we've talked about this before, right? When, when, when we've been in a series on sex and sexuality, um, and, it, and it's true, uh, the stereotypical couple that's together, and I'll be like, why don't you just get married? And, and they'll say, well, I don't know. And, but everything else, that maybe they live together, they're completely sexually active, and then when, when they decide to break off, it's really, really hard, and they're emotionally a mess and everything else. Well, because what Paul says, the two have become one flesh. The two have become one, and so it's not just a physical thing. So Paul is making this case here, and I want to unpack this. Um, he says in verses 15 and following, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who's joined to the Lord is one with spirit with him. He's making an important claim. 
And he's saying that because we're embodied creatures, uh, we're made up of two parts. We're made up of the physical part. Give me five, Dave. Boom. Our hands made contact. We're physical. But then there's a non-physical part to us, soul, spirit, whatever you want to call it. There's this part that we can't see or quite put our finger on. And they're connected. See, we're integrated. We're integrated, fully integrated, which is why, by the way, uh, if I am not getting enough sleep and I'm sleep deprived, I can get crotchety. It affects my mood. My spirit is affected by what goes on in my body. If I'm very, very anxious and I worry myself silly, I can develop peptic ulcers, right? Do you see in the connection? Because we're integrated, Paul says, you can't be so cavalier about what you're doing sexually with your body. And there's other implications to that. Um, So Paul would say, what we do with our bodies matters because God made us an embodied creature that one day will be resurrected just like Jesus. And so when he says, don't you realize your bodies are part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? That never in the Greek, the way I would translate it, is I would put, are you crazy? That's really what Paul is saying here. Are you crazy? Okay, so, and then he goes on. And he basically says, when it comes to this, and again, these are the young bucks of the, the church in Corinth. He's saying, don't try to think this through with your mind. Don't try to reason all this stuff. When you're faced with that kind of temptation, run, flee, okay? So he's making a point that when you're having sex in the wrong places, because you're an integrated person, it's going to affect you. And for any of us who've done that, they would say, right, that's so true. When I've done that, there have been consequences to me emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. Again, there are bigger implications, and I want to get into that in verses 19 and following. He says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So honor God with your what? Body. Honor God with your body. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this has two parts to it. The you there is the way we say it in the South. All y'all. So all y'all here, all of us together, all y'all, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then you individually, Caleb, you, you, when you go out there, you imbo- God is in you. And so it's a, both a plural and singular thing. And Paul is basically saying your body, your body should be a place of worship, sacrifice, prayer, and communion with God. And why should you honor God with your body? Because verse 20, God bought you with a high price. Who buys a Maserati and wrecks it 20 minutes after he buys it? Like why would you lay out that kind of money? And God... God bought you with the greatest price possible, the death of his beloved son. So why would you, with your body, do things that ruin, in a sense, what God has made, okay? Uh, So it's kind of like this. Um, If I were to come in on a Sunday morning with a can of uh, graffiti paint, and if I were to paint swear words on the walls of this church, and then if I were to shoot up with crack cocaine before delivering 
No, right? Is this, this is heroin. I'm going to get it right eventually, Paige. I promise, okay? If I were to shoot up with heroin before doing the sermon, some of you, I hope, I hope, I hope, some of you would object to that. I hope, okay? <laughs> and rightfully so. And if I were to say to you, well, it's my church. I can do with it whatever I want. Would I be right in that thinking? No. And when we say to ourselves, well, it's my body, I can do whatever I want, it's similarly thinking that's off, okay? What we do with our bodies matters because we're made embodied creatures. That's the big idea from this passage, okay? And when you're not being a good steward of your body, I'm going to tell you it's going to affect you spiritually. And when your spiritual life is all out of whack, it may very well affect your body, because we're connected, we're integrated beings. Let me ask a question, all right? Have you glorified God in your body over the last 30 days? Have you glorified God with your body? Or has your body been a blessing or a curse over the last 30 days? Some of us that are older might be going, well, let me tell you, <laughs> right? Has it been a help or a hindrance? Now, because you and I live in America, Someone's going to come along to you and say, listen, I know the secret. There's this colon cleanse. And if you just do this, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to have a measure of health. They're going to come along and they're going to say, look, I got this chiropractor. I'm telling you, you just go. It is going to, woo, you are going to have, it's going to be amazing. Now, can some of those things help? probably. Can we achieve perfect health in this life? I'm going to say to you, no, because of the effects of sin and the fact that all of us are dying right now, even though we don't realize it, eventually your body's going to betray you in that sense, okay? Eventually, it's going to betray you, okay? So how can you and I, how can you and I be good stewards of our bodies? I want to suggest three things, three things of application today. Does God care about your body? Yes or no? Let me ask this again. Does God care about your body? If God cares about your body, you should care about your body too. I want you to care about your body because if you take care of your body and you're a good steward of your body, there's a payoff, okay? The first thing is eat. Eat a balanced diet. I know so many teenagers that I want to say, let me introduce to you this magical thing called fiber. (laughs) Okay, for some of us that are trying to lose weight, it it could be protein becomes your best friend or carbs when you're looking for energy. Here's the thing. Can you eat anything you want? Yes, you can. (laughs) You sure can. Should you? No. Okay, so I want you to be thoughtful about what you're eating. You don't need now in America. You know, this is the funniest thing. We in the church get in trouble all the time for being Pharisees. And I just want to point out that very progressive people that have nothing to do with God are food Nazis, right? Oh, what's that on your plate? You should be eating kale all the time. Like, listen, (laughs) okay? So what I want to suggest to you is to just be thoughtful. Let me tell you a couple of ways I'm being thoughtful. For the longest time in my life, what I had for breakfast was a bowl of cereal. And by 9.30, 10 o'clock, that was gone. <laughs> and my body was going. And, and I would complain to my doctor. I would complain to Jenny. And they would all say the same thing. And I didn't listen to them for the longest time. 
You need to eat like six times a day. You have a fast metabolism. What are you, stupid? Yes, I was for many, many years. Now, now it's cereal, yogurt, cashews. Like, it's a lot of stuff. And I'm a happy boy all the way to lunch. Uh, another thing that I changed is I love ice cream. I love ice cream so much. I believe ice cream comes right down from heaven. It doesn't even go through a dairy. It just comes right down from heaven into the Kroger grocery sec freezer section. It's awesome. And I used to have a bowl of ice cream every single night. I don't anymore because... <laughs> I don't move enough for it not to stay on. So I've, I've mitigated. I only have ice cream now. There's one week out of the month where there's ice cream in the freezer for Max. The three weeks out of the month, no ice cream, okay? So again, you can become a food Nazi. I don't want you to be Pharisaic. I just want you to be thoughtful because there's a connection between what you put in your body and how you feel, right? Be thoughtful. So, so one, eat. Um, secondly, Move, move, move. Uh, here's, a, here's an equation. What goes in minus what goes out minus what's burned off is what stays on. Let me say that again. What goes in minus what goes out minus what's burned off is what stays on. One of the biggest things blighting us Americans, can we be honest? We don't move. We just don't move. Uh, we sit, uh, I've read so many places, sitting's the new smoking, right? And, and they're writing about this in, in all kinds of places. Um, if you're married to someone who's a state employee because they're taking away retirement, they will pay you for being active. So you get little gift cards. So if you walk like, you know, 500 miles, you get like a $5 Amazon gift card and stuff like that. And some of you are like, well, that's awful. Well, it's something. And so I, I wear this Fitbit now that tells me how many I walk. Do you know that if you help with setup on Sundays, you hit 10,000 steps before the service starts? I know. <laughs> okay, so like move. Um, there are some apps that you can get for your phone or your computer that ding you every so many minutes that remind you to get up and move. I just want to say to you, your body, if you look at how your body's designed with all of its articulating joints, your body was designed for motion. Uh, and mobility is huge. Ask anyone who's lost their mobility if they miss it. They do. They, so move, move, okay? Get up and move. The third thing, oh my goodness, we're terrible at this. this these are the recommended sleep levels for adults. And notice, the older you are, the less sleep you need. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> But how many of us are even getting the recommended amounts of sleep? I, I'm always amazed on the way to West Jesmond High School in the morning, you know, they're behind somebody. There have been more than one person who's like, you know, because you, you, know, you go about 50 feet and then you stop and you're stopped for about five minutes while the traffic guard does something and then and they just fall asleep right then and there. Okay, so and we are a sleep deprived we are a sleep-deprived nation, and we're not helping ourselves. I'm going to remind you that our government agents, CIA agents, use sleep deprivation to get information from people who are antagonistic to the United States of America. It's a form of torture. <laughs> we're torturing ourselves <laughs> for no good reason. For some of you, let me suggest that the most spiritual thing that you could do sometimes 
is to actually just take a nap or go to bed. It's the most spiritual thing that you can do. If you find yourself about, you know, and making a decision, one of the first things you should ask is, am I sleep deprived? Because if you're sleep deprived, there's a good chance you may not make the best decision. So eat, move, sleep. Those are some things that your God designed your body. I don't know if you know this, but if you fail to eat, move, sleep, death will come around quicker. <laughs> it's how that works. And, and I want you to have the blessing that comes from taking care of your body. Here's why this is important. And so for those of you that are younger, if you're 14, 20, you can eat Twinkies every day. You can binge watch till no tomorrow and you can get up boom, and, and it, it will, that, that energetic feeling that you have right now, grownups, are they going to keep that? <laughs> Let me ask that again. Grownups, are they going to keep that? No, it will catch up with you. Okay. And so since that's going to change 10 years down the road, you need to eat, move and sleep. Okay, you young people, this matters. If your 50-year-old pastor can outrun you, that's not a good sign if you're 14, <laughs> okay? All right? So the second reason that this is important is that if you neglect the care of your body, it's gonna limit you in what you can do for God and yourself and others. Um, two, two years ago, uh, I got into my, I drove down to my lake office, I got into my kayak, I paddled out to the most remote spot on the lake. And I was like, this is gonna be a great day. It was early, the sun was coming up. And I thought to myself, I'm getting older, so I'm gonna pack a camp chair. I'm gonna not sit on a rock this, this summer. I'm gonna sit in a camp chair and be comfortable. So I had the camp chair tied to the kayak. I get out, I put out the camp chair. I, I sit down, I'm, I'm watching the sun come up. And I'm like, this is just, this is great. This is gonna be an awesome day. And I stand up and I blacked out, and I fell onto the rocks. Thank God I didn't fall into the water, right? Because that's like drowning. <laughs> and death is semi-permanent. And so I woke up, and I could see like lightning and stuff, but I couldn't see yet. And come to find out, I have these discs that are uh, all wonkadoodle, and they're pushing on the nerve that goes down my right leg. And apparently, that's very, very painful. Trust me, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's like, oh! So when I was you know, conscious enough that I could do what I needed to do, I, I couldn't bend and I couldn't move my legs. And so I called someone, not Jenny. <laughs> I called someone to say, um, I'm having a problem. I'm on this remote spot of the lake. If I don't call you back in 45 minutes, I need you to call like the rescue people and this is the color boat they need to look for and where they can find it. So I somehow managed to get the gear into the boat and I, you know, excruciatingly, I paddled laying down to the dock. And so when I, when I got to my doctor and everything else, that's when I found out that I had this thing. Well, I want to tell you that discipline is hard. Dis you know, Paige will tell you that when it comes to finances, it's hard with your body. Uh, but I now have this thing, if I want to be mobile, three or four days out of the week, I have to do these exercises. If I don't do these exercises, I literally will not be able to bend and I'll be in debilitating pain. Will that have an effect on the life of this congregation? Yes, it will. 
Will it affect my family? You better believe it will. And so I've got to be in my bonnet. I did, uh, about a month or two ago, I got into a busy time and I didn't do them for like two weeks in a row. And I woke up one morning and this is how far I could bend. And this is how I was walking. <laughs> and so I say that to say care of our bodies matters. It matters. You are made up of two parts. You have the physical part and you have the parts you can't see with your eyes and they're connected. You can't be a plateness about this. You can't be like the Corinthians and think you can do whatever you want with your body because it affects you and it affects others around you, okay? So take care of your body. I want to.